0: Exodus chapter 16 she talked about how, how uh, she uh, they gave someone the team gave a one person a gospel tract and um, that person ended up showing up at church and whether that man a person I think it's a man um, that uh, came to church that day, uh, received Christ that day or not, it gave the opportunity for that missionary to follow up, and because uh, missionaries work is usually it's not just a one-time meeting kind of thing. It's a you got to follow up and and uh, continue to witness to them and uh, clarify questions. And there's always questions. Yesterday, uh, when I get when I got here to spend some time studying, there was a, a man that had. Uh, had gotten a flat tire. Of course, this is a thoroughfare through for uh, cyclists, and he had he gotten a flat tire apparently right around here, and he came right up under the uh, the eave here and or the uh, by the steps here on the side to repair his tire. And so he was he was repairing his tire when I pulled up, and so it gave me a chance to give him a gospel tract and to uh, to just briefly talk to him and you know make a connection with him. And uh, so. Uh, you just never know, you know. Uh, try to be faithful with those opportunities. I know sometimes that's, it's hard, you're busy doing other things, whatever, but uh, try to be faithful with those opportunities because uh, that man on the, um, why was that man there, you know, walking down the street or wherever that team was at that moment? You know, why, was, why did that man have a flat at this, at this point? And his, you know, he said, he, you know, they, they ride 30, 40 miles. So I mean, I just that's a glutton for punishment as far as I'm concerned, but Pastor Stewart would he would disagree. But why did he uh, why did he have a flat at that at that point at that moment as I was on the way here? God is the God that orchestrates those things, and uh, and so try to be faithful with that. We should all try to be faithful to be a witness in those opportunities that kind of fall in our lap like that. So. Amen. Exodus chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 1. I want to read kind of a selection of verses from Exodus 16, and then I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter number 8. So let's look at Exodus 16, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, And they took the children of Israel. Now, they're in the wilderness now. Uh, they've crossed the Red Sea, and uh, they have... Uh, they have they're gone, they've gone into a place. You have to understand this environment. When we say a wilderness, sometimes we think of the wilderness in some national park in the United States. No, the wilderness in, in uh, this area of the world is just a wasteland. It is a barren desert. There's no people. There's almost no trees or grass, water. It's just a barren wasteland. And so they took their journey from Elam. And how many, how many of you know, there's actually a count in the Bible for how many people were, were here. There's actually a count, not the total, but, the, but a count is mentioned in the Scripture. Anybody remember how many people were with the children of Israel? It was like 600,000 men. Not counting the women and the children. 600,000 men. That's where we usually hear people say, that there were two million, about maybe 2 million, close to 2 million people uh, with the children of Israel, and that's, that's likely the case. You run out of food and water really, really fast when you have over a million people drinking it and eating it. So they've come across the wilderness. God has put them in a place of total dependency on him. God did it on purpose. He has just done something that throughout biblical history would be one of the most marvelous miracles in Scripture. The place where I believe they crossed the Red Sea was not, you know, was not, as they say, the, how many of you have ever heard of the Reed Sea, and, uh, which is basically like they waded through a swampland God parted the swamplands. That's not what it was. This was was an ocean. And it was deep and it was large. And God parted the waters. And the Bible says they walked through on dry ground. That many people. Over a whole night it took them to cross that stretch. And that was miles across. That was not a short short space. And so in verse 1, the Bible says, And they took their journey from Elim. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots. And when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So they're complaining about two things primarily, of course. Uh, they had complained about water, and then God led them to, the, to Elim, which is a place that had wells of water. And now they're complaining about food. They're, they don't have any food. Verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my wall, my law or no. Now let me ask you a question in verse four. Who said, "Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you." God said this, not Moses. God said this. Note that, okay? Verse 5, And it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At even then ye shall know that the Lord hath brought you out from the land of Egypt. And so we we skip skip on down a little bit further. uh, Verse number 8, And Moses said this shall be, When the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. For that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which ye murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Let's get down a little bit further. Verse 12. The Lord speaking says, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, speaking to them, saying, At even ye shall eat flesh, And in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at the even the quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay round about the host. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. And so they gathered it. Now we know that the Bible says that they took the manna. And actually, the word manna, the word manna, it says in verse number 15, they called it, it is manna, for they wist not or did not, they didn't know what it was. And the word manna is basically the words, it basically means, what is it? And it, it was kind of a, a funny thing in Cambodian. And our, it, it, the, the actual word manna is actually means what? It means what? And in Cambodian, you can say that and it makes sense. In English, you say what? And it doesn't really make sense. But in Cambodian, you say gay and. You know, you look at something, you don't know what it is, and you say, a gay. Everybody understands what it means, but it means what? It means what? That's what they looked at the manna, and they said, A gay. They said, What is it? What? What is this? And there's that's the etymology of the word manna. It means what? Because that's what they called it, because they didn't know what it was. And we know that they would take this manna that God gave every day except the Sabbath, and they would grind it and they would uh, make flour out of it and they would make bread out of it. But there was only given, God only gave them enough for that day. But that manna that God gave them in the wilderness where there was no bread, there was no farming, there there was no wheat or barley crop of any kind, there was no way for them to sustain themselves in the wilderness at all. They were wholly and totally dependent upon God every single day. And as I said, that was God's intention. He brought them to a place in which they were entirely dependent upon God and had no other source of sustenance and no way to provide their own food. And at that moment is when God gave them manna. And we know that God gave them manna every day, as I said, except for the Sabbath, for 40 years until the very day that they were able to eat the fruit of the land of Canaan to which they went. Now let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. Now, if you didn't notice, on Wednesday, I also uh, gave a message from Deuteronomy because I've been reading in Deuteronomy in my Bible. And so this is Deuteronomy's on my mind. So pardon that if you don't like the book of Deuteronomy. I hope you do, though. Um, And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Bible says this. All the commandments... Verse 1, which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. Now, just pause here. Just to reiterate, the book of Deuteronomy is written to recount all that God had done over the past 40 years. By Moses, by, by Moses recounting it, he's recounting much of what we've already, already learned from Exodus. And Leviticus and Numbers. And in Deuteronomy, he's recounting all of that. And so that's why there's repetition. But he gives, he interprets some of the things that happened to give more insight into the events. And in verse number two, uh, we continue it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. Verse 3. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth, Out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to your word, uh, Father, we can only acknowledge that uh, often we read your word and it's as if we have blinders on, as if our mind is dull. But Lord, we acknowledge that we have a need for illumination. Lord, we need you to teach us. Lord, would you please do that for your people today, this morning? And would you please give your spirit and his power uh, to move among us, to speak to us in uh, whatever way that we have a need, whether it's a person here or a person listening in uh, by means of the Internet. Please guide and give wisdom as we study your word. Lord, we desire that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and his work would be magnified and we would be encouraged through our study. Lord, please meet with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if we keep reading down here in verse, uh, skip on down to verse number 16. Let's look at verse 15, rather. The Bible says, Who led thee, talking about the Lord led thee, through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought. Where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew, look at what it says, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. You know, this is not the only time in the Scripture where in in Deuteronomy where God says, God's intention in giving the manna and bringing them into the wilderness and crossing the Red Sea and putting so many people in such a desolate place was to humble them, was to humble them. And that's the first thing I want you to see from verse number 3, is that God humbled them. Now, as we read verse 3, we're familiar with verse 3. Where is verse 3 most famously quoted in the Bible? At the what? At the temptation of Jesus. The Lord quoted verse 3 when the devil tempted him to turn uh, the stone into bread. And he said, the Lord said, uh, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now there is a, there is a huge flaw in the way people view the Lord that we can see in this, in this verse. And it's, it's common in churches everywhere. And it is this assumption that God doesn't ever lead us into any circumstance that is difficult. It is this, uh, this assumption that if we walk close to God, everything will go well for us. If we really, really love the Lord, good things and only good things will happen to us. And that's just simply false. Look at what the children of Israel, what what the Bible says. It was God who delivered them from Egypt, right, through the blood of the Lamb. And there's a lot there we could go into, but I'm sure that language sounds familiar to you. It was God who led them out of Egypt. He saved them from bondage, from slavery in Egypt, so that they could be His people, and He led them Through the Red Sea, he miraculously parted the Red Sea. They went over on dry land, but God knew the entire time that on the other side of that body of water was a desolate wilderness and that there were so many people that there would be no water and that there would be no food. And God, as I said, intentionally led them into that circumstance. So we cannot sit here and say, That if you are right with God and that you love the Lord and you're following Him, that He's never going to lead you into a circumstance that is trying or difficult because He does do that. He does. But God doesn't do it punitively. That is just to cause us pain. He does it with a purpose. And sometimes we know that purpose and you know when it's all done, and sometimes we don't. There are many people that go to heaven and don't know why the things that happen to them happen to them. Some of you have lived a life and have those questions in your mind and do not have answers. And I don't know that you ever will before you meet the Lord. But it is a fact that God sometimes leads His people that love Him into difficult and trying circumstances. And in verse 3, he says, And he humbled thee. How did God humble them? And suffered thee to hunger. God did that. (laughs) Think about it. Israel hungered because they lacked food, right? Right? They they thirsted because they lacked water. Why? Because of where they were. And that place where they were was the place to which God had led them. It was a wilderness. There was no sowing and reaping. There were no fruit trees. There were no farms. There were no gardens. There was only rocks and dirt. But God led them there. Because God had a lesson for them to learn. Look at verse 3. There's a pivot point in verse 3. Verse 3 is about this pivot point. It says, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know. You see, God humbled them and God allowed them to hunger and brought them to this difficult place because he had a lesson that he wanted to teach them. And he could only teach them this lesson through the gnawing pains of hunger. You know, God is willing to do that for us. Now, let me skip ahead a little bit because I want to make sure we're on the same page before I uh, continue. It says, uh, continuing in verse 3, That he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Now, oftentimes we read that verse, and we rightly think this is uh, this is in this verse. God is teaching us that we, as His people, live each day. God sustains us each day with His word, and I'm sure all of you can attest to that on a, on a spiritual level. Of course, we just like the children of Israel, God sustains us each day, even though we provide for ourselves, as we say. We go to work and we do our business and we get money from that and the government takes it like you're going to find out in a couple of months. Even though that happens and we take that money and we use it, we provide for ourselves, but God sometimes puts us in a place where we lack to make us see that we, we do actually in fact depend on Him. And that's the place the children of Israel are in, in the physical sense. They don't have food to eat. They don't have bread, which is the staple of food. They don't have that. They have no choice. They have nowhere to turn but to God himself, and God himself provided physical food for them. But we look at that spiritually, and rightly so, and we we think of how God's word sustains us each and every day. But there's another way that you can look at this. And that is, you can look at the word life. And live says, man doth not live by bread only, but, but by, man lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord, doth man live. We could refer to that as spiritual life, eternal life. That there is no way to have eternal life. You might say go to heaven. You might say be right with God because those are all related. There's no way to have it outside of God's word and what God says. And so I want to look at this verse in that context as it relates to salvation, as it relates to salvation. And it was important that, he, that God humbled them because when God humbled them, He brought them to the place that they realized they were destitute. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 6, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This hunger, this thirst, is not the hunger and thirst you feel in your gut when you haven't eaten in a while. This hunger and this thirst is a spiritual hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know what? Just like God led the children of Israel to the place where they had no food, so that he had the opportunity to teach them that they needed him and that they depended on his provision. So God works, we call it conviction, to bring people that don't know him to the place where they finally understand that they cannot, under any circumstance, provide for their own eternal life that there's nothing they can do, there's no sowing, there's no reaping, there's no bread to be had, they only have one option to have that, that spiritual life that's being spoken of here. And that is in what God provides. And listen, now to put it where the rubber meets the road, this is how God deals with man. God deals with man to bring them to a place he did it to you. He does it. To, he did it to me to bring me to a place where I finally understood that my good works were insufficient, that I could not provide for my own eternal life. That I, in my own righteousness and in my own wisdom, I was destitute. And if you haven't come to that place, you haven't come to the place where you can rightly understand and have that those hunger pains for the bread of life who is Jesus Christ. Cuz you haven't gotten hungry yet. And see that's where every one of us must come. We must come to the place where we truly are hungry. We know we can feel the pain. And if we listen, if each one of us was to were to look we were to look inside ourselves and examine our life and the sins that we commit. God wants to bring those sins up to our face. He wants it to, 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 see, to be ugly. That's the purpose of, of the law of God is to make sin look ugly. It is wicked. It is ungodly. And God hates it. He wants us to see that real plainly. Because when we see it, we start to get hungry for righteousness. We start to see that we don't have anything to satisfy that. We're not righteous. We're not good. We're destitute. And that hunger starts to come up in our, in our, in our, in our souls. And we start to see that I'm hungry and I need someone to fill that hunger. And this hunger is a spiritual hunger. problem is most people, most people, they don't come to the place where they really understand. I, I really do need God. I really, 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 really do need Him. Like, I need Him entirely, 100%. They never come to that place. They, they, they reserve a little bit of self-righteousness. And they think that's going to help them get to heaven. And, and whatever is lacking, because you know we all have fault. then, then, you know, Jesus made up the rest. No, he did not. He was just like the children of Israel in the wilderness. They had nothing. And they had to have the manna, and the only source of the manna was what? God himself. As I said, the manna was not the bread the children of Israel provided for themselves. It was provided by God directly. And in the same way as the children of Israel became dependent, God made them. He brought them to the place where they became dependent upon God for the manna, for, uh, to sustain their physical life in the wilderness. So we are also totally dependent upon God for our life spiritually and eternally. Do you have eternal life? Do you know that you have? eternal life. If you are not depending 100%, your soul is not, if you have not staked your soul on God's provision for your eternal life, if you are staking part of your hope that you are going to go to heaven when you die and that you are right with God at this moment, upon some good thing that you do, or some good thing you have done, or some religious act that you've performed, then you are not totally dependent upon God. And that's where the children of Israel were. They were totally destitute. That's where God wants us. And every person that comes to God must come to God hungry. God, I'm hungry. I don't have anything. I don't have any righteousness. I need righteousness. That's what it means to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And God says, when you're there, I'll give it to you. Now, the next thing I want you to see is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the manna. The Lord Jesus Christ is the manna. Look at John chapter 6, if you would. John chapter 6. Verse 31. Let's back up to verse number 26. Let me give you the context very briefly. How many of you have heard of the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? The Lord took five loaves and two fish, and he divided them, and he fed 5,000 men beside the women and children. So, you know, 10, 15,000 people most likely. Well, a lot of people don't know what happened after that. They just know that they were full and they gathered the fragments that were left and they had like 12 baskets full, right? But then the Lord left. That was in the evening and then the the people went home and then the next day, what happened? All those people that had eaten of that bread and fish that the Lord had provided, the next day they were hungry again. Imagine that. And so what did they do? They went looking for Jesus. I mean, after all, the day before, they had gotten, they've gotten a free meal. And so the next day, they're hungry again. Those hunger pains are there again. So they're going to look for the Lord. And Jesus, <laughs> this is not the Jesus you read about in the nice little Bible storybooks. Verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, the sea so this, is the, this is the day after the feeding of the 5,000. They said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Then answered them, then answered, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Well, that's kind of mean. But see, the Lord in one word cut right to their motive, right? Labor not. For the meat or food which perisheth. For that meat which en, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, listen look at this, which the Son of Man, that's Jesus, shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Now notice he said that the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself, would give them the, the meat or the food that doesn't perish. Okay? That's, that's everlasting life, right? And what did they ask in response? Then said they unto him, what shall we do that we may, might work the works of God? This is the children of Israel saying, well, we need to make some gardens, and, and we need, to, we need to, to sow some seed, and we need to do this and find the fruit trees, and we need to do all that. And God says, no, I want you in a place where you don't have anything. And then when you don't have anything, then I can can show you that I'm going to give you manna. And I'm going to to sustain your life. And so in the same way here, they they say, what do we do? What do we do to work the works of God? Look at Jesus' answer. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is the work of God. Notice the difference in number. In verse 28, works is in the what? Plural. But in verse 29, work is in the what? Singular. You see, they're already distracted. Jesus said, you need to get food that will give you everlasting life from me. And they answer, well, what do we got to do to provide for ourselves? And he says, this is the work of God that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. And then they say, uh. In verse 30, they said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? You can hear their doubt, their suspicion. Our fathers did eat manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Notice they quote a verse. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. But they're saying that Moses gave it to them. And verse 32, the Lord corrects them. He says, then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. But my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. What is the true bread? Verse 33. For the bread of God, that's the true bread, is he. So stop. So the bread, the true bread is not bread. What is it? It's a person. You see that? For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. You see that? This is a clear statement of the deity of Jesus Christ that Jesus is indeed God manifest in the flesh. Listen, none of us came down from heaven, but Jesus did. He existed in heaven before there was anything created because the Bible says That Jesus created all things. All things were created by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's John chapter 1. Jesus created it all. And when the time came, He descended from heaven as the the man that history knows as Jesus of Nazareth. But He was God, very God, manifest in the flesh. As they say, He was 100% God he was 100% man. One preacher I know says, he, he became God without ceasing to be man. He became man without ceasing to be God. Thank you. I said, everybody's going like. <laughs> but he came down as the bread of God and to give life unto the world. So you see the comparison between the manna. They're talking about manna, and Jesus is saying, no, no, no. I am the true bread. Keep reading. It says, then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They're still thinking in terms of the flesh, physical bread. Jesus said unto them, listen to this clearly. I am the bread of life. So the manna represents the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, you can't come to Jesus until you're hungry, until you're destitute, until you feel the gnawing pains of spiritual hunger and that you know that you're not righteous, until you know that you are truly destitute. That's the problem people have. As that, you know, you've heard preachers say, people come down the aisle in the church chewing their bubble gum. Well, what does that mean? That means they come down the aisle, they're not serious, they're not concerned about their soul, they don't really believe they're under the condemnation of of God because of their sin. They think they're still pretty good. They haven't felt that hunger, that pain that comes from coming face to face with the fact that you're unrighteous, that you are not right with God, God is not your friend despite what you say, you you and the Lord have a very big problem. That's a hard thing to admit. I know when I got saved in 1999, one thing that, that led up, because I was already religious. I was going to church, this very church. Some of you remember that. A few of you. I think on the back. <laughs> but you know one thing, and my wife can testify to this too because we had similar testimonies in that way. One thing I was loath to admit up. Leading up to the the, the, the day when I, I was saved, I was loath to admit that I was one of those lost people. I didn't want to admit that I was one of them. I was at us and them. I didn't want to be one of them. I've been in church, da 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 da. But it wasn't until that I was one of them and I saw it and I felt that pain that we call conviction, that hunger for righteousness, that. Destitution, when we come, we come to ourselves and we realize that the only thing, the only hope is what God provides. 35 says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. As bread gives physical life to the physical body, Jesus gives eternal life to the soul. And without that bread of life, you can, you, can eat, you can eat an entire train full of cars with nothing but bread and you'll die and you'll go to hell because Jesus is the only source of eternal life. But what does it mean to eat him? If he's bread, what does it mean? He that cometh to me, notice this, he that cometh to me shall never, what? Hunger. Hunger. You know that hunger pain the Lord wanted the children of Israel to feel so that they would come to understand that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That hunger pain they feel when a, when a person comes to Jesus and they have that hunger pain and they say, Lord, I need you to save me. I'm not righteous. And they, they partake of the bread of life by faith. That hunger stops. In an instant, it's true. It is true. Since I've since I trusted in Christ in August of 1999, I've never, ever, ever, not even one time, wanted to be saved again. I've never felt those hunger pains again. You know why? Because I'm full. Are you full? He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you, that ye also have seen me, and believe not. Notice the the word believe. This is not, of course, you all know this, but just in case someone's unclear on this, this believe in Christ is not just mere intellectual assent. All those people were staring at Jesus. The fact of Jesus was not a question. It was, who is he, and is he the Savior, and can he save me? And do I need him to save me? This is true faith. Not faith in the head, but faith in the heart. Verse 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And the Jews then murmured at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, hearkening back to our Sunday school lesson, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? You see, Jesus is making a clear statement of his true identity. They knew that. They knew what it meant to come down from heaven. He's saying, I am God manifest in the flesh. They did not believe. You see that? They didn't believe it. Jesus therefore answered and said unto them, murmur not among yourselves, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. Now skip down to verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath, present tense, everlasting life. I am what? Be careful with your words there. I am that. Bread of life. What bread of life? This is the bread of life, that bread of life that God has provided. Just as the children of Israel were destitute in the wilderness and God brought them to that place so they felt the hunger so that they would know that their physical life would be sustained by that which God provided directly, which is manna. So, God gives us spiritual hunger to bring us to the place where we understand that the only way that we can have eternal life is through that which God provided. Jesus is that bread of life. He that believeth on Christ ceases to be hungry, he is full eternally, he has life everlasting. But just as in that day, what did the people, what did the people say? When they saw the manna, they didn't know what it was. So they said what? What is it? Again, what is it? And so when Jesus came, and even to this very day, people, people know about Jesus, but they don't, they don't understand what relationship it ha- he has to them. Yeah, he's my savior and they think by the verbal assent that means it's that means they're saved. Because I say Jesus is my savior and that means I'm saved. Listen. There has to be a day in your life when you come to the to the understanding that Jesus is your only hope and at that moment you put your faith and trust in him and only in him 100%. That's what it means to partake of the bread of life. To believe on him unto life everlasting. Many people live ignorant of that. Jesus is a good teacher, a philosopher. Jesus taught us many good things, started a religion, was a good man. But they forget that he came down from heaven to give life into the world. And he does that by giving life to all of those that believe on his name for their eternal life. So I want to ask you a question. Have you believed on the name of Jesus Christ? But before I ask that, I must ask this. Have you ever felt the hunger pain of not having the bread of life? Of being convicted and being awakened to the fact that you are not right with God? That you are yet in sin that you are destitute. If you have felt that pain or if you feel it now, I want to tell you, Jesus is still the bread of life, that bread of life. And he can give you eternal life. Let's pray.